Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning, Brazos Valley, Central Texas, Palestine. This is your second week of the month host, Dr. Thaddeus Romanski. I'm the Director of Education and Development for the Red Sea Apostolate, and you are listening to Red Sea Roundup on Red Sea Catholic Radio. Our folks listening in the Brazos Valley, you can hear us on KEDC 88.5 FM. In Central Texas, KYAR 98.3 FM, KINF 107.9 is our station in Palestine. And speaking of Red Sea Catholic Radio, we want to remind you to uh, please continue to pray that our applications for two new stations in the Shiner, Hallettsville, Schulenburg area and the Cameron Taylor area of Texas, that those FCC applications are uh, are looked on favorably, and we actually get those FCC licenses. Those are they're at the the FCC, and we're still awaiting their decision. So please continue to pray that all that works out. That that's God's will. Well, this morning, on the other side of the break, you're going to be listening to an interview that I had uh, pre-recorded with Dorothy Hargrave, who is a, a listener and supporter in our Central Texas listening area. She is with a great organization called the Labore Society. You can learn more about the Labore Society at rescuevocations.org. I taught her, I said that that was a great, great website uh, URL, rescuevocations.org. And also a young man who is discerning the priesthood in the Diocese of El Paso, and, uh, and his name is escaping me right now. Maybe I'll get it back uh, later in the first part. But they're going to talk about the great work that the La Bray Society does and how uh, people can support their work. And I'm not going to say anything more about it because I'll kind of tease it up a little bit. But, you know, their, their URL is rescuevocations.org. I'm joined in the studio this morning by our executive director, founder, all around stud. Should I Dennis cut, should I cut you off before you uh, start saying the re- real <laughs> the real story? Howdy, good morning, Thaddeus. Great to be with you this morning, Dennis. So very nice. Um, couple great things to announce this morning on the on the first part of the show, um, and then we're going to talk about uh, some some more serious matters, uh, but. Wanted to let people know that uh, we have had now three clinics for Victory Sports. If you don't know what Victory Sports is, that's Red Sea's Youth Sports Initiative uh, for Catholic families and Catholic parishes. You can find out more at victoryyouthsports.org. We've had three clinics now in the Brazos Valley area in the last uh, three weeks. Mm -hmm. We had a great, great girls volleyball clinic. St. Anthony's partnered with us to host that. Thank you to everyone at the St. Anthony's community 
uh, and the parish staff and Father Raj. Uh, then we had a great basketball clinic for girls and boys last Saturday, St. Joseph High School Gym. So St. Joseph's Parish partnered with us there, supported us, Father Brian Eilers, Julia Mishler, uh, Max Bergkamp, all the staff there in the parish community at St. Joseph's. Thank you for getting behind Victory Sports. Coach Matt Miner, and my yeah, goodness. I was getting to him. I was going to give him a special shout out. Yeah, but I kind of wanted out. to be the one to shout out because that guy was amazing. And we also have to thank Paul Rieger for finding that guy and bringing yep. him to us. So great job, Paul, if you're listening. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know Coach what's Matt exciting? Did an awesome job. He did. What's exciting about this is that, you know, if you're not in our area here, you're in Central Texas or East Texas, buckle up because this is getting big. We've got a lot of momentum going. And uh, our intention is to uh, have this program go beyond our borders here in the Brazos Valley to go mm-hmm. wherever God wants it. And mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to be big. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are interested in Catholic catechesis combined with life lessons and great fundamentals in sports. So. Yep. Yep. And so with that said, um, we're going to have our last clinic um, flag football this Saturday at the St. Joseph's athletic Con- complex mm-hmm. on Rye road. Rye just Loop. off OSR, just north of Bryan. Mm-hmm. We're going to have that from 9 to 11.30, flag football for boys. Uh, Fortitude's going to be the virtue that we're focusing on for teaching fundamentals in passing, catching, uh, defensive pursuit, rushing. So we'll have some some fundamental time in the first part of the clinic, and then we'll break the kids up into teams, and we're going to have a little seven-on-seven type scrimmage to, to finish the the clinic. So if you haven't signed up your son yet, go to victoryyouthsports.org, sign them up. If you've had any child participate in a clinic so far, you that that sign up is $10. Okay? So if you've participated already um, with the child in Victory Youth Sports Clinic, it's a $10 registration fee. If you're it's if it's your first time participating mm-hmm. in a clinic, it's a $25 registration fee. So it's very we think it's a very low um, bar of entry to participation. Yeah, we are very excited. We're about three-fourths the way full mm-hmm. on this one clinic. Yep. So we're yep. going to have to cap it off after just a few more registrations. Uh, so sign up today if you want to get in the door. We kind of have we have a, more room in the 9 to 12 bracket mm-hmm. than we do left in the 6 to 8 bracket. But we do still have room in both of those age groups. Okay? Then, next big announcement the clinics are just the first kind of uh, getting you excited and interested about what Victory Victory Sports is going to be. Mm-hmm. But the real heart of it is league play with parish-based teams. And that's going to start in the fall with volleyball for girls and flag football for boys. And we want to let you all know, save the date now. Save time in your schedule and in your life now for your children to be involved in that league play because registration for victory sports leagues is going to be coming in June. Mm -hmm. So look for uh, registration to open for that in June. This is where if you are a parishioner at say St. Joseph's Catholic church, your children will play on teams with other families from St. Joe's for St. Joe's against St. Thomas Aquinas, Santa Teresa. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll have all the details for you when you when you sign up to help you decide uh, which 
you know, which parish you need to align yourself with based on, on parish boundaries yep. or schooling like that, because, you know, we've got the little, the little wrinkle with, we've got some families that attend St. Mary's Catholic center, but we're not going to have teams from St. Catholic, from St. Mary's mm-hmm. because their, their mission is the university students. So if you are uh, wanting to sign your kid up to uh, play in youth sports in the fall, before you click register on some other system, uh, some other league, consider Victory Sports because it's going to combine everything to do with Catholic virtue and Catholic catechesis with great competitive competitive play and competitive teaching of skills. So That's right, Dennis. It's, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, so we would have the first practices for volleyball and flag football would start in that last week of August. And then we would, that would be capped off with a, a 10 week season would be finished on uh, November 12th, I believe is what we said would be the city championship mm-hmm. between the top two teams in each age group for volleyball and flag football. We've also got other groups around the state. There is one group uh, in San Antonio that plays CYO still. Um, mm-hmm. They would love for their championship to play our championship. So, you know, so that's um, that kind of possibility yeah. in the years to come is, is yeah. there. So it's, it's really fun. exciting. Really yeah. exciting. So remember, be going, go to victoryyouthsports.org, get on that newsletter update, mm-hmm. get, get, get signed up for updates and stay tuned for registrations for our fall competitive season, our first fall competitive season in uh, starting in June. Flag football and volleyball will start for boys and girls, and we're hoping to start registrations early June. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. stay tuned. Pretty good stuff. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's it's exciting to have that kind of uh, joyful, beautiful um, enthusiasm about our Catholic faith Mm -hmm. and bringing us together and, and forming us and uniting us as Catholics especially because of the midst we're living in the midst of a lot of strife and strain mm-hmm. um, over a value and a principle that we hold as preeminent. Mm-hmm. You might, you might say as Catholics, that's the, that's the value of life. That's the value of every single human life. And we know that that's hanging in the balance uh, with what looks like it's going to be the decision by the U S Supreme court in the Dobbs case. And I think if it, all of us probably know to varying degrees uh, what I'm talking about in the news. And, and so I just wanted to s- say a few words about that. And I'm, I'm kind of speaking from uh, an article in The Pillar. Uh, this was written by J.D. Flynn on May 10th. So I think maybe the most important thing is to get out the word that the Bishop's Conference has asked all Catholics in the United States to pray the rosary this Friday, May 13th um, over the, the growing demonstrations that so there were demonstrations uh, mm-hmm. over last weekend that happened and the expectation that there's going to be more and that they're going to anticip- uh, intensify. Um, I was really, really dismayed and saddened and hurt, uh, especially to hear that at St. Bart's, in Katy, Texas, in Katy, Texas, yeah. there was a tabernacle that was vandalized with the Blessed Sacrament inside of it. Um, Good and evil. It's uh, clearly clearly drawn for all of us to see in the news. You know, it's <clears throat> it's disgusting 
that, that something like that would happen in a country where one of our values is religious freedom, religious freedom of expression and, and the freedom to, to live out our, our, our faith. Um, but we, we have to also realize that we know from the history of the church that we're going to be persecuted and we need to fortify ourselves spiritually to withstand and endure and prepare for that persecution should it come. And so I think that's what the bishops are very right in asking us to pray the rosary, especially. And that's what J.D. Flynn uh, points out in this article. Pray it with your family. And if you have a chance on Saturday, uh, if you're not going to the Victory Sports Flag Football Clinic at 10 a.m., there will be a gathering, a rosary rally outside of the, the chapel at St. Thomas Aquinas here in College Station. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, I'm struck by the emphasis on a spiritual response to a growing temporal problem. He said he, it strikes him as the most authentically Catholic response to our moment and one worth recognizing. And then he goes on to, to point out that what's the Catholic response to this possibility of growing strife and, and violence even? Mm-hmm. He said that, yes, quote, all people have a right to worship freely, and some of us should expect that exercising that right will come with new costs. We should also expect that law enforcement will protect sacred spaces. But he said, I don't really know the answer to these, to these questions. Quote, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that in the fracas over this stuff, pro-life versus pro-abortion, a priest or religious could end up killed amid escalating outrage. And he points out Father Jacques Hamel, who was the French priest a few years back, who was assassinated during mass by mm. Isla- French Islamists. So he's not trying to sensationalize, nor nor do I, but I think it's important to talk about and realize what the stakes are and what we need to prepare ourselves for. And let's start the doing that by praying the rosary as a Mm -hmm. Catholic community on Saturday at some point with your family. So on the other side, we're going to talk about the La Society with Dorothy and Luis. And we thank you for listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. And remember, go to Victory Youth Sports to find out more. We'll see you on the other side. Okay, welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. As promised, we are going to have a great conversation in the second part of the show with Dorothy Hargrave and Luis Rodarte of the Labore Society. Uh, this is a interview a long time in the coming, actually, 
because I think it was before the pandemic that I had uh, the pleasure of meeting Dorothy for the first time in our studios at Red Sea Catholic Radio, and she first talked to me about uh, La Brea Society and and uh, trying to get her on the radio to talk about the the really good work that it, it does, and then the world kind of went to pieces, and uh, <laughs> we weren't able to make that happen, but then we met up again at the Waco Benefit Dinner at the end of 21, and we said, okay, let's make this happen. Let's get it done. And so here we are today to talk about your work with La Brea. So Dorothy, Luis, welcome into Red Sea Roundup. Thank you so Thank much. You. Um, here. Yeah, I think it's it's really great to have you here, both of you here. And let's start first for those listeners who don't know. Tell us, Dorothy, what's the what's the mission? What's the history? Uh, who does Labore serve? Sure, thank you, Thaddeus. So the mission um, of Labore is basically we exist to provide financial assistance and spiritual support to individuals who must resolve education loans in order to pursue a vocation to the priesthood and or religious life in the Catholic Church. And the history of Labore, the seed for our mission was planted well over 20 years ago when our founder met a woman who shared, I used to have a vocation. And he stopped and he asked her, well, what do you mean you used to have a vocation? And well, her dream was to become a religious sister and to dedicate her life to helping the poor and elderly. And the one thing that was standing in her way was finances. Mm. She explained that the religious institution she was interested in joining couldn't accept individuals with outstanding education loans. And by the time she could pay the student loan back, she would have aged out. So um, fast forward, the founder um, met a woman several years later um, in the same situation. And in both situations, our founder gathered a group of benefactors who helped these women to pay off their student loans and enter their vocation. Mm. But he wondered how many other men and women were also in the same position and why didn't an organization exist to help them? You know, if we are praying for an increase in vocations, why aren't we willing to help these individuals who are ready to say yes to God but carry the burden of their student loan debt? So with this in mind, the Laboratory Society launched in 2003, and since 2011, we began implementing, which has, you know, become our current model for fundraising, in which we, um, you know, I'll be sharing with you today. Um, so going back to the beginning, when our founder um, met the first woman that he assisted, um, and then several later, when he met the second woman, there was something unique that tied these two situations together besides the issue of their student loan debt. Both women were wearing unusually large, miraculous medals. And of uh-huh. course, it was St. Catherine of Labouret, you know, who was entrusted with spreading devotion to the miraculous medal by the Blessed Mother herself. And St. Catherine was also the recipient of generous benefactors who supplied her dowry so she could enter into religious life. And we see the modern equivalent of St. Catherine Labore's obstacle to entering religious life today is student loan debt. 
and the amount she needed to provide is the same amount that the typical debt an aspirant has when they come to us, uh, um, you know, someone who's wanting to enter into vocate and they're into religious life or the priesthood, and that is $60,000. Um, so it's fitting that St. Catherine of Labyrinth is the patron saint of the Labyrinth Society. Wait, Dorothy, so, hold go, on. Say, say that again. What's the, what's the connection with the, with the debt amount again? So the amount of what her um, dowry equals today is 60000 and that's the typical amount that men and women come to us with. Wow. Um, who, yes. That is, <laughs> so that is a remarkable that connection. It How is. beautiful. So, so that is why she's our patron saint and why, we're, why we are known as the Library Society. And we feel like that, that is the modern, um, you know, equivalent of the issue of, you know, having enough for a dowry. Is, yeah. Yeah, I think so. that's a. I think that's very true. A very uh, keen insight. So mm-hmm. that's what Labore is, and and where can people go to find out more about Labore? We'll give that information several times during the interview, but let's start out by doing that right now. They can go to rescuevocations.org. Okay, bold bold website rescuevocations.org. I was expecting something conventional like laboratesociety.org, but uh, Rescue Vocations really, uh, that's kind of like putting your money where your mouth is. You know, this is what we're that's doing. Right. This is what we're about. Make no exactly. make no mistake. That's that's terrific. So go to rescuevocations.org to become a become a benefactor uh, with, with any kind, probably any kind of financial uh, contribution, right? Or, is, or not. Right. So, you know, if you are someone who's discerning religious life, you can go to rescuevocations.org. You can also call me directly, 651-212-4977. And then also, um, we do have two people work on staff um, that work specifically in development. And I can also give the number for Bill Lemire, who is our Director of Advancement, um, for someone who wants to make a a donation towards Library. And he can be reached at 651-295-2548. Okay, we'll get, we'll have you give that number several times. But now, we're not going to just speak with you this morning. <laughs> we also are very, very fortunate to have on Luis Rodarte, who is actually an aspirant with Labore. And Luis, welcome into Red Sea Roundup. Why don't you tell us what is an aspirant and and tell us how did you tell us the story uh, of how you became an aspirant? All right. Well, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, well, as an aspirant, so uh, the, all of we form like a class. Uh, think of it like if you go to, to a school in in one in one classroom, you have a class full of people, right? Men and women, and each one of them we're called aspirants. Each one of us has a vocation, and we've been called to this vocation either to the religious life or diocesan. In my case, I'm a diocesan for the Diocese of El Paso. Mm -hmm. And so each one of us um, has been called in their own way. And it's very interesting when we we get to meet each other and we start hearing our vocation stories Mm -hmm. of how each one felt the call to enter the religious life. And we start seeing all these religious that that um, religious that I've never met before, or I've never heard of. Everybody knows uh, in the top of their head. They say mention the religious, and you say the Franciscans or 
the Benedictines, but all of a sudden you start knowing other other groups uh, that are from the Catholic faith that I had never heard or seen before because they're not present in the in the current diocese I'm in at the moment. And so each one of them, that's what an aspirant does is is uh, they were pretty much going in through a process where each one has an obstacle, uh, as uh, was mentioned before, and that obstacle is preventing them to continue in their formation, to or enter into formation. My case was a is a special case because uh, my diocese allowed me to continue my formation, but I'm working with Laborate to reduce my debt uh, and hopefully zero, uh, zero completely be zeroed out. But okay. a lot of other members, are aspirants, are at the point where they cannot even enter in a religious or a diocese until they reach an, a certain number or completely zero out their their student debt. Okay, I so see. that's what uh, that's what we are, the aspirants. Okay, wonderful. Um, now, could you tell us your your vocation story in a you know kind of capsule form? Uh, that's the trickiest part. Always, uh, <laughs> I, I figured it might be, capsule. but I thought I'd, I thought I'd ask anyway. <laughs> I always I always joke around with people, and I'm like, "All right, do you want the three hour version or the five minute version?" I think and we're gonna so have I'm to like, go for the five minute version right now. <laughs> yeah, today. Sorry. Uh, I think I think that would that's definitely gonna be the challenge. Uh, so yeah, very quickly, my my vocation story divides into four parts. Uh, so and um, so. Before, a lot of people who have heard my story that consider me um, that when they hear it, I'm a miracle child. And other parts, they say that it's very mystical mm. because I've had a lot of experiences that are very uh, supernatural in a sense. And so my parents tried to have a, I wanted to have a big family, a lot of children. But unfortunately, every time I'm, uh, my mom was pregnant, uh, she would, uh, she would have a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So um, at at some point, I went to a convention, uh, a Catholic convention, very char- charismatic in a sense. And the lady guiding the prayer started mentioning that there was a couple there that had been trying to have a child. And she then later said that in 11 months, they will have a child. Two months, um, uh, they would be to, uh, they needed to speak to someone to reconcile their marriage. And then... Uh, nine months after the, a child would be born. So my parents took it as they were talking about them. Mm. And, uh, and so it happened just as it was uh, told. Uh, they went to a priest. They started uh, working out their marriage. And two months after, my mom was pregnant. And nine months after, I was born. And so the first time I say I want to be a priest was when I was in fifth grade. And I told my parents um, that I wanted to be a priest because I had a dream. And in that dream, I was dressed as a priest, and all my friends were coming asking me for my help. Wow. Uh, the idea of priesthood kind of left because I wanted to know what it felt to have a girlfriend first. So when I entered hi- high school, I went to a Catholic uh, private school, and I entered a group called Chaplains, and we did missionary work in Mexico. Uh, we would do catechism to the children, teens, and adults, Plus, I was an extraordinary minister at that time, so I prepared the liturgy at the, in this town. Mm. And doing the, after doing that for three years, and on the fourth year, a deacon who is now a priest in my diocese 
approached me and told me that if I have ever thought of priesthood, and I told them, you know what, after doing this, I feel the call again. But again, I wanted to know what it felt to have a girlfriend. So I kind of went my other, uh, my other way. Uh, when I entered the university, I started studying to be, I wanted to be a doctor. So I started doing my pre-med in, uh, in the University of Texas at El Paso. Okay. And I kind of distanced myself from God at that time. I, I, started, I still kept going to church on Sundays, and mostly because of my parents. My parents uh, said, uh, very Mexican style, said, mm-hmm. well, uh, you're, you're living under this roof. You follow the, the, the rules of this house. And the rule of this house is that you're going to go to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So I would go on church on Sundays. Uh, but the rest of the week, I didn't really live very Christian-like. And so it was until I finally uh, my second girlfriend, who was very involved in the church, and she started, um, every time we went out, she just talked about how much God loved her and how much she loved God. And so she invites me to a retreat, and I had a very mystical experience in that retreat. And immediately after that retreat, I felt the call into the priesthood. Mm. Um, but because I, I was with a girlfriend, I kind of said no to, uh, no to that. And so I really wanted to uh, hopefully one day marry, the, uh, marry this girl, but things didn't go that way. Uh, we went our separate ways. Eventually, I went to, um, I got accepted into medical school in the Autonoma de Guadalajara in Mexico. Okay. And I was in medical school for three semesters. And it was my second semester when Pope Francis, there was rumors that Pope Francis was going to visit Mexico. And so when I, I decided to go and have that visit. And again, during that visit, I had a very mystical experience um, uh, with the visit of the Pope. And when I returned to Guadalajara, to med school, again, I had another very mystical experience during church, which there was a voice that told me to be a priest. And so I said, uh, at that time, I, I had already said no three times, and I kind of, I always joke around with people, and I say, well, uh, the first thing that popped into my head was, oh, no, not this again. I'm like, we went through this already three times, Lord, and uh, you're now going through it again. I'm like, didn't you get it the three times? And, but this is the strongest one. And he, he really pushed on it this time. And he, and he kind of opened doors, and I spoke to two priests about what was going on, and they gave me the exact same advice. And uh, they gave me the exact same advice in the same order. Mm. And I just said, ah, you know you know what, this is just a, uh, it's just a coincidence. It's not a sign. It's just a coincidence. They've, I'm pretty sure they just teach them this way uh, in the seminary to answer the, in, a certain, uh, in a certain way uh, always. And, but I was very in denial about entering. And eventually, uh, one holy hour, I was just tired, and I said, I need an answer. I really need to know um, what I need to do. And during that holy hour, I kind of did what they tell you not to do, which is put a condition on God. And so I said, uh, all right, God, if you really want me to be a priest, then let there be just complete silence in my head, a peace like I've never felt before. Uh-oh. And if that happens, tomorrow I'll start looking into seminaries. And now, did you know Did you know at that point in time that you're not supposed to put conditions like that? You're not supposed to make bold uh, kind of if this, then that sorts of, of prayers, because, um, you know, they might, they might get answered in a way that maybe you weren't, weren't ready for. Well, 
I had heard to be warned about that, but I've, I've never really, in a sense, I guess in part of me didn't really believe that actually something like that would happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't think I was going to have a, a, such a reaction so quickly, but I definitely uh, knew that for sure that I didn't supposed to have to, uh, supposed to do it. So I kind of um, stole your thunder yeah. a little bit, Luis, but I'm, I'm, Yep. Gonna anticipate that you had that silence, you had that peace like you've never had before. Is that right? That's right. So the moment I finished that sentence, everything everything just went quiet. The whole church that I was in, um, the people, the music, the uh, the person who was doing the prayer, everything just went quiet. And when it was just the monstrance and myself, it was just the Lord and me in that room, mm. and it was a peace like I've never felt before. And to this day, I haven't felt that same peace like I had that night. And so then I just told the guy, I just told God, all right, all right, I got it. <laughs> uh, I got it. <laughs> so I started looking into seminaries the following day, just like I promised. And wow. so I, after, after going through my search of different religious or uh, religious uh, communities and, dio- and diocese, comparing what, what I wanted to be a religious or a diocesan, I finally decided to be a diocesan for the Diocese of El Paso. Okay. Okay. So, Luis, you're an aspirant. Yes. You have made this this choice to um, enter the priesthood for the diocese of El Paso, uh, but you mm-hmm. were you had your undergraduate studies. Then you had some uh, time that you were in medical school, and you are casting about for what you're going to do to resolve your debt and and take care of your debt so that you can be debt free to enter the seminary and, and be a priest. And that's where Labore comes in. And why don't we turn, use that then to turn back to Dorothy and, and Dorothy, tell us a little bit about what is your role specifically and how did you get drawn into the mission of Labore to help people like Luis? Sure. I work on the admissions team with Labore and that is twofold. I work with vocation directors from various institutions, mm-hmm. both religious communities and dioceses, and helping them to understand the work that we do at Labore and introducing them um, to, you know, giving them an overview of, of, of everything that we do and provide to the aspirants. And then also I work with the aspirants and the word aspirant is not a canonical term here at Laborate. It just means, you know, those who are aspiring to become priest or religious. So, yeah. but these, these um, candidates for these um, institutions, I also work with them in helping them on board and, and come into our program. And our program, um, we have two groups that fundraise per year. And we have a group that starts in January and they go through the end of June. And then another group that starts in July and that will fundraise through the um, end of December. And so there's about six weeks of preparation Mm -hmm. where we help them to prepare and before they actually come to our in-person training at our offices and um, well, not at our offices, but um, we are based out of St. Paul, Minnesota. So that's where the in-person training is held and that's over a weekend but everything else after that is is done remote, remotely in terms of the ongoing training that we provide for them, and um, and all of the you know networks and relationships that they're developing 
they do that back in their own, you know, either their home diocese or wherever they are currently living. And so I just, I, I help to, um, you know, enroll, enroll people like Luis. That's how Luis and I first um, got to know each other is through that process of helping him mm-hmm. to become part of the library society. Mm-hmm. So did you have a, a, an initial, were you initially at some point in your life interested in pursuing a religious vocation? Then you discerned that that wasn't the case. And, but then you still had a, uh, a concern for those who were, or is, is there something else about that drew you to wanting to um, to to invest your your life, your your life and right. time uh, into this process of, as you said, rescuing vocations, rescuevocations.org. Mm-hmm. That's the the website to find out more about Labore and to um, support it. Where where did that? What was that story? Sure. So for me, I actually um, went on a pilgrimage to Italy, okay. and as part of this pilgrimage, um, I ended up in Norcia, Italy, and there was a new community of uh, a community of Benedictine monks that were um, starting off and um, creating a new religious community in the birthplace of Saint Benedict, right. and and I fell in love with this community, and they. Um, just radiated holiness, and just my time there with them was just very powerful. And so um, after this pilgrimage, I saw a social media post where someone was wanting to join that particular community, but they needed help paying off their student loan debt. Oh. And I thought, well, of course, I <laughs> I love this community. <laughs> I'm, 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 I don't know this person. I don't know who he is, but I know the community, and I want I would love to help them know, um, obtain this vocation, but also for this man to enter this community. So I made this donation and then just didn't think about it. And then later, um, like a couple years down the road, someone reached out to me about a job opportunity at Labore and they were like, Oh, do you know about us? And they thought about me just because of my work. I've worked off and on for this, you know, in various roles in the church that he is for mm-hmm. over 25 years. Yeah. And so they thought, Oh, Dorothy would do well. Flabberet. She's really passionate about her faith. And, and yeah. so, um, so that's how I was introduced to, to Labaret And, and I've been in this role now for three years and, and yes, I have a deep love for vocations and um, I have an aunt who was a religious sister with the sisters of the Holy family of Nazareth. Um, for 67 years when she passed away. And just the, the, having an old, your own family member as a religious, I felt the power of her prayers for our family mm-hmm. and also an aspirant that we helped, um, Sister Joseph, Josephine. A lot of people know Sister Josephine. She's also part of that same community. And so when I had learned that that was one of the communities we had helped, I was like, okay, the Lord is calling me to this work. <laughs> yeah. So that's my connection with Labore. Wow, what a beautiful connection! And so, and so then, Luis, were you someone who um, did you come to find out about Labore through a word of mouth connection, kind of how Dorothy got drawn into it by the by the friend who recommended she work for them, or was it something that you sought out? Was it your vocation director? How did you uh, come to to be a part of what they do? Yeah, for for me, it was uh, quite an interesting uh, connection because at that moment when I was applying into the diocese, my concern was my loans. 
Mm-hmm. And so when I approached the vocation director and told them about it, he said, well, the diocese, um, we're going to be paying for your education and everything. We just don't have the funds to help pay off your student loan. So you're going to have to look look somewhere, somewhere else or help from the government or whatever other means. So I started my search. I started looking up in the what the government offered to help. And uh, I was just hitting... I was just hitting dead ends everywhere. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, you know, like when you go in your Google search and all of a sudden the, your sidebar kind of pops up something. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. just popped up all of a sudden, Labore. Mm. I'm like, Labore? I'm like, what is that? And I started reading the description of what Labore was. And I'm like, what? And finally I clicked on it and it sent me to, to that website, right? The rescuevocations.org. And I started reading everything that Labore stands for and the, their mission and uh, how they help. And I'm like, this is exactly what I was looking for. I'm like, this is what um, it was pretty much just a godsend um, to send me that into that uh, their direction. But uh, it was quite a very interesting way of how I came to hear about it. And then little by little, I started um, meeting people and that have told me like, oh, yeah, I've helped. I've helped uh, with uh, people you know, from who have been in Labrae before, and but yeah, it was a uh, it was quite a my that was my connection with Labrae. Well, I think that the, both of you, uh, Dorothy, on on the side of helping the aspirants, helping those who want to pursue a religious vocation, and Luis, on your part, someone who is sensing that call from the Lord to be a priest, be a diocesan priest. Um, both of you are working on such such a critical issue for our church uh, at this time, especially in the United States. Um, I was reading just, just the other day uh, an article from Crux um, about the PINs countries, um, the Philippines, India, Nigeria, South Korea, that those are those are countries that have huge English-speaking populations, and the faith is is just exploding there, um, and that those those countries are going to be very likely um, vocations factories for the, the rest of the, the century, um, as the, the faith is um, collapsing here in the United States and in, and in Western Europe, and Part of that is because maybe people who who feel a, a tug to pursue religious life, to pursue a priestly vocation, they they think that maybe they they can't do it because of financial restraints, financial um, conditions that don't even make it possible for them to to pursue that vocation. Do you do you guys find that that there are people who maybe uh, tune out or don't hear that call of the Holy Spirit because um, financial considerations are kind of blocking blocking that call. Does that make sense? It does make sense, and yes, we do find that there are men and women out there who who have perhaps not even opened themselves to this possibility yeah. that God could be calling them because they have student loan debt, and so. Our mission is to spread really this good news that we are here to serve the church, and we are here completely to serve the, the serve the church. You know, the fundraising that Luis and his class that they're doing currently, 
that that goes specifically towards student loan debt. We here at Laborate, we do our own fundraising to support our general fund. So what they're fundraising doesn't come over to pay for any of our overhead costs. There's two distinct silos. And we're, we're just here, all of the men and women, you know, I've shared my story of how I, I got connected to Laborate. And I work with a staff of um, 13 individuals who are just as, if not more, deeply committed to vocations. And that is our desire is really just to serve. And so we want more and more people to know that we are here and that, you know, if you feel this tug, um, take that step forward and trust God because um, he will provide. And, and the one thing I would also want to mention, you know, that, that is, is that there are so many unique things about Laborate's, not just fundraising. The men and women who come through our program um, we teach them best business practices. We teach them time management skills, communication skills, relationship skills. Um, Luis also mentioned just this awareness of, of learning about other religious communities he was not aware of. Well, they work in solidarity with the men and women in their, in their class, and they, they are working on, they, they are fundraising on behalf of vocations to help everyone enter their vocation so that community mindset it's not just about you it's about us great great formation right um there's opportunity to grow in virtue as part of our four four pillars that they practice um in 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 preparing for fundraising um one of those pillars is is gratitude and that's such a needed virtue in our world now more than ever and then um so they're going to write thank you letters to all the benefactors that they and potential benefactors that they meet, even those who can only support them with their prayers. They're going to write a thank you note and they are given the stationery to write their thank you notes and a toolkit um, that not just a stationery, they get, they get a fundraising toolkit to help them to be able to fundraise and to be successful. But the one thing I want to mention that's very unique about Laborate is that they are paired up with a mentor and that our mentors, they're called accountability partners. These are Catholic businessmen and businesswomen who love the church, and they completely volunteer their time to accompany an aspirant throughout the six months. And oh, so, wow. Um, yes. And so they, we, we, we teach them our, um, our coaching method, and if they're able to, they come to our in-person training and also go through the training as well. But then after the training, they meet once a week, um, usually it's over the phone or over Zoom, with the aspirant and they just check in. Um, the first class that went through our particular model of fundraising did not have these mentors, um, but the second class did. And the second class raised three times as much money in half the amount of time. So, so not only are they fundraising, they are um, just being equipped with all these different you know, skills. And then they're also learning this, this art of accountability an accompaniment that that comes with having a mentor, and also they have dedicated staff members to help them as well. So, wow, well, we we so have about we'll ten minutes left. What's that? So I was just going to say that we have about ten minutes left, and I wanted to make sure that I got Luis a chance to speak about, uh, kind of respond to what Dorothy's laying out laying out here so well um, mm. about the the mentorship, the. Uh, emphasis on gratitude, those four pillars. You know, have you have you seen some some growth in yourself, some human formation growth, some intellectual formation 
uh, growth in terms of uh, best practices with with uh, managing money, managing time? Has have you seen these fruits already as as a part of your involvement with uh, Labore, Luis? Yeah, most definitely. It's a uh... It's been quite a challenging uh, year because I've been with Labore since uh, July of last year. And then uh, okay. I finished that first six months and started my next six months. But uh, during, that, during that process, I have uh, seen a growth in myself. And even my, the director of seminarians here in the diocese has told me that he has seen a growth of my stewardship, uh, being able to uh, speak with families and being able to connect with people. Uh, in a sense, at first I was seeing these, this uh, student loan as just a weight that I couldn't get off. Mm-hmm. I could never get rid of. Yeah. And to a point where all of a sudden now I see my loans and Labore as a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, before, when I started Labore, yeah, it was a challenge. Uh, who likes to go asking people to, to help you and to give, uh, to give money to, to, to you? Especially you're trained to be uh, living a simple life. And all of a sudden, now you're asking people for money. It's never easy. But then my my point of view changed, and it became of, it's not about the money. It's really about people getting involved in your story, mm-hmm. people getting involved in your vocation and becoming part of that mission, become part of that vision so that one day you, when you're, God willing, a priest or a religious uh, uh, brother or sister, people see that and say, you know what, I, I'm part of his history now. I'm part of that mission because I helped him get to where he is at now. Right. And right. that connection I have made with people has, uh, has motivated me more to, to the point where when I meet new families, new, new people that are willing to help me, I get excited. And it doesn't, they ask me, aren't you tired of just speaking to a lot of people? And I'm like, no, actually, I'm motivated because it's a new family I'm going to get to meet. And it's a new story. It's new people I've never, I would have never had the chance to if it wasn't because of this opportunity. I would imagine so that, I would imagine also that having to go and ask people to join you and support you in your the pursuit of your vocation also gives you a sense of, of obligation and increased commitment to, to not give up, to not waver in your vocation, to not waver in practicing all of the, the virtues necessary for, um, pursuing your and and keeping your 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 priestly vocation um in training can you speak to that yeah most definitely it's uh so a lot of people a lot of families i've spoken to when they hear their my vocation story they're like man i'm so excited i want you to be a priest and i i go and i'm like wow just hearing those words just motivate me um when i'm in the seminary after being so many times just reading books and just stuck in the libraries, uh, reading theology, mm-hmm. and it's really good. It's really nice information I'm finding. But sometimes we lose that motivation of, what am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you start losing track, that vision. But when you speak to families and you speak about your story, and they tell you, wow, I really want you to be my priest one day. I really want you to be there at the altar. That just gives wow. you new, renewed energy. And I get that enthusiasm that full of spirit energy in me to go back to school and just hit those books hard again <laughs> and again that's what every single meeting I've had with the with families that I speak to and they they even even though they're probably 
didn't meant for that to be the intention at the first. I take it that way. I take it really deep in my heart, and I remember each one of the comments that people have made, uh, have made about that. Wow, that's great. That is just, I, I love that sense of, uh, Dorothy, you spoke to it, that sense of solidarity that comes from asking people to join and, and help uh, in these young men and women pursue their religious vocations. We have about a little less than five minutes left. Uh, I've really been such an eye-opening uh interview with y'all, I didn't have any idea that there was the mentorship program. I imagine that uh, that's a great way for uh, business people, Catholic business people, to use their expertise to help the church. Can they go to rescuevocations.org to become mentors? Can you talk a little bit about how people can become mentors um, with Labore? If if you're interested in becoming a volunteer with Labore, uh, you can reach me directly here at 651-212-4977, and I will put you in touch with our program director, who will then um, give you the next steps for becoming further involved. But I, I would say just in terms of the next steps, um, they can just reach out to me. And, um, and any, anyone out there that, you know, is interested in, either sending candidates to us or who is in a situation where they have student loan debt, you know, please feel free to call me directly at 651-212-4977. And I also just want to come back to something, um, you know, Luis is a, as a, is a, on the track to becoming a diocesan priest. Mm-hmm. And right now, um, the Vatican's Congregation for Clergy has approved the new norms for the formation of seminarians. And everything that Luis is experiencing, this formation that comes with the, this aspect of fundraising, is so much in line with what's being asked for from our, our, DOS, our future Dawson priests. And so, you know, he's talked about how he has matured, how others have witnessed him maturing. And that's what we desire and what what has been laid out for our future priests is, you know, to become a mature disciple. Yeah. And that's what we see in, in Luis. And so, you know, a lot of times dioceses will say, oh, we can take care of this, or they can just pay it off when they become an ordained priest. Well, we don't want strapped priests, right? right. We want priests who are free and, 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 and can use this, their meager income to take care of themselves and not having to put that all towards the student loan debt. So, um, so we serve religious communities. We also serve um, dioceses, and um, and we're just so privileged to be able to work with Luis and, and you know, just to see this beautiful journey that he's on and all the good work that the Lord is doing in him. And our process, you know, it's one of evangelization and invitation. And, you know, Luis has met with so many people to share what God is doing in his life and has, you know, like he said, he's invited them into that journey and, you know, really fundraising. It is a sacred mission because you're inviting others to put their resources at God's disposal. You're inviting Mm -hmm. them to hold loosely to things of this world. And um, so there's so much beauty that comes from this process. And we're just so excited to be here today. That is to share this mission and and we thank you for allowing us to to be interviewed on Red Sea Radio. You're welcome. Yeah, you've been listening to Dorothy Hargrave and Luis Rodarte talking about the great work that Labre Society is doing to 
Rescue Vocations in this country. Rescuevocations.org is their website, and people who are aspiring to be priests or religious can get involved with Labre. And if you are a Catholic layperson wanting to know how you can support vocations other than just maybe sending money towards uh, the diocesan campaigns, as important as those are, here's a great way to get involved. Be a mentor uh, to a future uh, priest or religious through Labre. And Luis, why don't you uh, tell us again what Labre has meant to you in about 15 seconds, and then you'll hear the music come up, and we'll and we'll you'll say goodbye for us, okay? All right. Uh, yeah. So Labrate has been a blessing. It's been a moment where I have enjoyed meeting new people, meeting new people in families who have supported me, but also meeting others who are interested and feeling the call of the Lord. People who are enthusiastic of getting new members into the church, who are enthusiastic to fulfill the calling of the Lord. All right. Thank you so much. for all that. Thanks so much, Luis. And you've been listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.